I remember some years ago uh, when I was, I had to drive to Sydney with two of my uh, boys. They were playing both uh, playing with Brisbane Brass Band and we went to the National Brass Band uh, Championships in Sydney. And uh, we'd booked into, with all the other band members, into a hotel near Chinatown. And if you've been to Sydney, that's pretty well in the city. And we have drove there and I had a GPS. The problem with my GPS wasn't, wasn't updated. And so we were driving through the streets of Sydney. We would turn down one street and it, because I was watching the one-way signs, the little lady in my GPS was telling me to turn the opposite way. And when I turned the opposite way to where she said I'd had to turn, she got confused. And she'd say, recalculating, recalculating. And by the time we tried to get to Darling Harbour or nearby to Chinatown, she, it was like smoke coming out of my GPS. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had problems with GPSs. <laughs> When you're trying to get over there and it takes you that way, all the way around, it's something a little bit, I guess, uh, if this is going to work for me. Can you flick the next one, Deb, for me? Can It's not going to... There it is. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm following the sat-nav or the GPS. Does that seem like stuff to you sometimes it, it it just drives you nuts led around the the uh, mulberry tree by a gps with that little woman in there or, la or man in there telling you where to go and you feel like you need to tell them where to go and it's not that way so the only way to end up at the right destination is to choose the right road isn't it absolutely if you've ever made a wrong turn and ended up in a strange place, you'll know how true this is. How true is it? And you feel confused and you feel frustrated and you feel like you just want to go home. It's just too hard. The Bible frequently encourages us to choose the right path, doesn't it? And uh, when the contemporary world thinks that if you just choose whatever path that you want to take, it'll be okay, it'll all end up at the right destination. But the Bible tells us something quite different. It tells us that there are two ways. Jesus says there's a choice of two paths. You can choose one path that uh, leads to life and one path that leads to death. There's no middle path. And there's not multiple paths that all lead to the same destination. In the, in the King James Version, the words path and way uh, occur nearly a hundred times in the book of Proverbs. And this book is one of those books that helps us to find the path, to find the path in God's way. We were taking time last week and this week and next week. Uh, last week, uh, Ray spoke with us about what wisdom is. This week, we'll be talking through uh, just chapter 2. And next week, I'd like to do some really nice pastoral stuff in how to walk through the journey of grief and loss, uh, something that I've had a, a fair bit of experience in. But uh, just walking through those tough times of life, and this series is called Wisdom for Life. You know, there are blessings for us when we choose to walk on wisdom's path, aren't there? 
See, the path of wisdom leads to life. But the path of foolishness leads to death. In Proverbs chapters 2 to 4, we realize that wisdom speaks about this path in these three particular chapters. Wisdom protects your path in chapter 2. Wisdom directs your path in chapter 3. And wisdom perfects your path in uh, chapter 4. But we'll only be doing chapter 2 today. The key verse here in this chapter is verse 8. And it is, He guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. When you think about that promise, isn't it wonderful that God guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithful ones. And when we know in the Bible, when it talks about the just and the faithful ones, they're the ones who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah. And so in this chapter, as we walk through it today, there are three things that I would like to look at. Walking with God, walking with the wicked, and walking with the righteous. So first of all, I'm, I'm conscious of time today, and uh, I'm going to uh, not overdo it. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> you look shocked. Um, so the first thing is walking with God. The chapter begins with this very familiar and loving admonition from Solomon, who is the, the author of uh, Proverbs. And it's this familiar and wonderful familiar ad admonition of, from a father to a son. Oh, my son. Oh, my son. This so fits the Hebrew mind because we realize in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, it uh, exhorts fathers to teach wisdom to their children. And so there's this sense through the, the Hebrew mindset and the Jewish mindset that it's all about father, son, father, son, father, son, giving into their children so that they carry wisdom into their life and they make a difference not just in their life but in their own families and also in the community in which they live. And that's the whole of the Hebrew mindset. Sadly, in our own world, we've lost a lot of that mindset, haven't we? It's all about what I get out of life, and that's enough for me, rather than passing on. And I think we can take a good lesson in the church that we are here to pass on the wisdom that we uh, learn in our own lives into those who are coming up. And so my son, it says, my son, if you receive my words, my son, if you treasure my commands within you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for discernment, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom as you would silver, if you would search for wisdom as you would a hidden treasure. As we look at these words, there is an intensity to these words, isn't there? There is an intensity to these verbs. If you receive to yourself, if you would treasure it, if you would cause this wisdom to be put in a very prominent place in your life, at the very center of your life, at the very heart of your life, cause this to be 
the whole of the pursuit of your life. It's with this intensity, looking for it as you would a hidden treasure. And I don't know if you've ever watched some of those movies um, where they follow maps and go on these chases all around the world looking for hidden treasure. People, this obsession finding the hidden treasure. Well, if we would take that little bit of that obsession and search for God's wisdom, that's what he's saying. I was thinking about this and I woke up at three o'clock this morning and uh, I sense God speaking to me these words, just enough. In our Aussie uh, culture, we often say, ah, that'll do. Yeah, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm really guilty of this as I'm studying my master's degree and working at the same time and you do a subject and you just pass, you go, oh, that'll do. Oh, that's just enough. Oh, good. And, and you think, oh, I, I don't need to strive anymore if I just get a pass. And isn't that the Aussie culture? And we're all guilty of that sometimes, aren't we? Often in our workplace, we can be guilty of that. In just doing the things around the yard, mowing the lawn even the little things oh that'll do you know that's enough just enough isn't it the case then that in our own christian walk we sometimes treat this pursuit of god with oh that's oh it's just enough i'll spend that little bit of time with god oh that's enough that'll do and sometimes we think that God is that second best, and I, re- I was listening to some statistics um, recently, and I just can't find them, and I would have quoted them to you. The amount of time that we spend in our lives watching TV and the amount of time that we spend in church worshipping God, there is this paradigm shift of or a distance between the amount of time that we watch TV and this little bit of time that we spend in church. Isn't that a shame? God just gets the just enough, doesn't he often? Obtaining we, uh, wisdom isn't a, just a once-in-a-week hobby. It's not just information in hoping, uh, plowing in information, hoping for change. It's a daily discipline for a lifetime. When we talk about making disciples, it's not just about getting them to a Bible study, that'll fix them or getting them to uh, read that book, that'll fix them. It's the walking of life's journey in a disciplined way, isn't it? And most of you who have been down the track longer than I have will know that it's that plod, step by step, faithful, disciplined, uh, walk with God in his word, praying, being with his people. That's what brings the wisdom of life into your life, isn't it? The life skill stuff. That stuff, walking through the tough times, through the potholes, down through the valleys. And uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It's that walk through the good, through, over the good mountains, through the dark valleys. That's when the wisdom comes. It's in that disciplined way teaching them all that I have commanded you. Make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you.
obtaining and walking in wisdom is a way of life and the way to show the world who God is. One of the things that we recognize in our culture is that we go from mountaintop to mountaintop. We're all looking for the big event things. So here's the big band and, and we're going to have a big show. So everybody runs over to the thing and we have the big event and then we're waiting for the next big event and we're looking for it. And so because we do that, we forget and don't learn what it is to walk the normal every day. Sometimes seemingly mundane things of life, the step by steps. People often come to me, I'm in anxiety, I'm in anxiety, I don't know what to do. Uh, and the mountains of their life seem too tall to climb. And I ask them to consider taking one step before you look at the summit of the mountain. And taking another step before you look at the summit of the mountain. And take another step and another step, one step at a time. When Jesus speaks about us dealing us being the salt of the earth. The same word used for salt is the same Hebrew word used for wisdom. And so when he says, you are the salt of the earth, bring this change, this savour, this thing into the community, into the world. It's by wisdom. God says to us today, my sons and daughters, if. If you do this, then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. People work diligently in their jobs, don't they? If you're a worker, you work diligently in your job because you know you're going to get a pay packet. Or you're going to get something deposited into your bank account. You're earning a wage. But what about applying ourselves diligently to God and his word? And the, the spiritual disciplines of prayer and spending time with him and hanging out with him and being with him. That's what I find really hard. You know what it is. The demands of life just push this stuff in on you and you forget to, or you, you don't take the time out to hang out with God and say, God, I just want to be with you. Even if we're silent together, I just want to hang out with you. But there is that need for diligence in our, our walk with God. To seek his word, to gain spiritual riches that are far more valuable than gold or silver. That will last forever. And not only that, so the world will see in us the riches of the kingdom of God that are eternal. Not the treasures of this world that are temporary. And I reckon, and it's my belief, that because the church has sometimes for a whole generation withdrawn into itself and had this enclave of self-protection, that the community is running amok the way that it is. Why? Because the church, I don't think, this is my opinion, hasn't been salt and light into the earth as much it ought to be. Bringing the love of Christ into people's lives. Bringing that sense of the walk of the church or the walk of people into the community 
community so the community will know what is right and what is not right, what is wisdom and what is foolishness. Because, my friends, we've not been there. So God is calling us to step up and to be light into the community, to be love into people's lives, to be Jesus into their, into their existence. There is a price to pay if we would gain spiritual wisdom and there's an even greater price to pay if we don't gain it. And we see that even in our own community. We're walking with the wicked. In this next section of this chapter, we are introduced to two dangerous characters. An evil man and an adulterous woman. Now, this isn't a picking on genders. Let's not get there. It's a, just the illustration that Solomon uses in illustrating wisdom. And firstly, in the evil man, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You see, the person who walks in wisdom detects and discerns the ways of an evil person or evil ways. And I don't know about you, but I see in our, in our world today this strong spirit of antichrist plowing its way into our community and trying to divide and disrupt and destroy. You ask someone who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't uh, follow God, and you talk about that, they say, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. But when we walk in wisdom, we will see and discern the ways of the evil one. Wisdom will save you from the, day, the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Isn't it the case, if you just treat life just enough, you can easily fall into those things? You can easily fall into the perverse talk. You can easily fall into uh, following or going along with others who are perverse in ways. You see, it talks about these ones who have left the straight paths and walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong who rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in all their ways. The evil man is referenced throughout the Proverbs. And there's another character that is shown in this chapter, but also in chapter 7. And I'll just use the words from chapter 7 about this adulterous woman. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye, which is the highlight or the focus of your life. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman and her seductive words. And when Neil read from chapter 2, we saw that same thing, that there is this adulterous woman, a character, uh, talking about the seductive words. If the evil man uses perverse words to snare the unwise, the adulterous uh, woman, the character, is, uses seductive or flattering words. These are words of manipulation. These are the words that flatter and, and puff you up and make you all feeling really good about yourself and they lead to self-righteousness and self-centeredness. These are the words that can easily attract us and draw us in, particularly us boys who struggle with our egos, who think we're much better than what we really are. And the girls are nodding. Isn't that, but isn't this the case? 
L, don't shake your head. <laughs> it is, it's true. We're all the same. These are words that tell us things about ourselves that we just love to hear. Those things that we wish were so true. Oh, and then when someone tells us, we go, oh, yeah, that's right. I know. I'm that good. Mm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with encouraging words. Come on. We need to have encouraging words. We need to build one another up. They're essential, but the word referred to are ones that draw us away from trusting in God and trusting in ourselves and, and draw others on a wrong path. And if we're just enough, if we're that'll be right Christians, we will easily get drawn into those things because we were less discerning because we're not spiritually aware. For you see, in, um, in, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, um, put away, oh, no, that's not it. Keep your, your heart with all daily vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. If you don't keep them with all diligence, if you don't keep your heart, the center of your spiritual life with all, with all vigilance, out of it will flow the springs of death. So there's nothing wrong with encouraging. And the last thing is, and I told you I wasn't going to be pretty good, walking with the righteous. In verse 1, Solomon, the author of Proverbs, says, If... In from verse 5 and then verse 9, he says, then, and now he says, thus. See, there's three sections. And if I can go to the next thing, I will do this. Can you do the next one, Deb, please? No? There it is. Thus, you walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. If we receive God's words and obey them, if, remember the ifs, if we treasure the commands, if we make our ear attentive to wisdom, if we incline our heart to understanding, if we call out for discernment, if we raise our voice for understanding, if we seek wisdom as for silver and as we search for wisdom as like we would search for a hidden treasure, if, 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 then God will pour out his spirit upon us. God will bring that protection on us. God will bring his favor upon us. And there will be these things that are happening. You will, the wisdom will be there to make wise decisions. And God will keep his promise. Thus, God will keep his promise and protect us from the evil man and the wayward woman. This is about wisdom. This wonderful, wonderful gift, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. He might use a long track to get it to you. He might use a few potholes along the way. He might use a few curves, but he might even give it to you immediately in discernment. Ask God. Wisdom. This so precious gift that sometimes we'll say, ah, she'll be right just enough I just need a pass mark I just enough to get me by my friends it may seem like evil is winning sometimes 
It may seem that people with evil intent may seem to be succeeding, but we see God's promise and that it won't last like that. We know that it won't last. And so when we see Kim Jong-un deciding that he was, uh, will do a, a, a nuclear test or when he shoots a missile over Japan or when he does something like that, we need not fear. Why? Because there's some promises, the promises of God. Our confidence is in our God. And if we walk out on the street and we proclaim the gospel and people attack us, and even if people kill us, we don't, we don't shirk back, but we move forward because we have a God who has promised eternal life. I remember when I grew up in the, in the Methodist church as a boy, and I sometimes would, not that I want to sing hymns in church now, but um, there's this old hymn that we've been, uh, we were talking about this week when we we're meeting with some other pastors, and it's one of those old hymns that you think, where has this spirit gone from the church? This spirit of stand up, stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner, it shall not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. We want to be there, we seek wisdom. And who is wisdom? It's God himself. And he wants to plant it inside of us, so that we will be the vessels of it into our world. The safest and most satisfying path is the path of wisdom, which is the path to life. It would be easier to look at our society and, be, and get discouraged. Who's ever been discouraged when you look at the news? When you read the newspaper, the news is as bad as black as the ink it's written in. It's easy to get discouraged. But if we keep our eyes where God has asked us to keep them, we won't be discouraged. We'll be encouraged because our God has already won the battle, had won the, the war. We may lose a battle, but God has won the war. This is the time that we know that God has placed us here for a purpose. Do you know you are here for a purpose? Do you know you are in, in this church for a purpose? Do you know you live where you live for a purpose? And that purpose is that you would be salt. You would bring wisdom of God into the people around you. You would bring wisdom in, of God into the supermarket that you walk into. That when you live that life, people will look at you and say, there's something so different about Toby Richards. There's something wonderful about this young man that I want to have something of. And it's the wisdom and it's the life of Jesus Christ in him. We are here for a purpose to bring that wisdom into our society, to bring his light to bear in the midst of darkness. Will it be risky? Yes. Will it be dangerous sometimes? Yes. Will it sometimes be frustrating and discouraging? Yes. It's time for God's church to arise, to stand and be counted for his sake and for his name. Would you do it? Would you do it? For it says, if you receive, if you give, if you surrender your whole life to me, then you will have wisdom. If you allow the Spirit of God to have his way in your life, the fullness of his life through your life, if you would do that, then and thus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and sit and stand before you. 
because he is the one who has made the way so that we can enter the throne room of God boldly, with confidence, with faith, with wisdom. And so God, when we see these words out of Proverbs, these wise words of Solomon, even though his life didn't turn out the way you would think, he has still had that wisdom of life. We want to take these words, sink them into our hearts so that we will remember if we receive, if we treasure, if we incline our heart, if we seek and search for wisdom like a hidden treasure, then we will find it. For you are there waiting for a heart to be open toward you. For we know, dear God, that you're more interested in what you can do in us than, than what we can ever do for you. You are interested in transforming our hearts and the hearts of those in our community. So we today would take this opportunity to surrender again, to lay ourselves before you, to open our hearts before you and say, God, whatever you want to do with us, that's what we want to do. Wherever you would send us, that's where we want to go. And whatever it costs, that's where we want, what we want to give. For we want you to shine, Jesus, through our lives, through our love, through the actions of our hands, through the words of our mouth, in the thinking of our minds, in everything that we are, we want you to shine so that others would see you. We pray, dear God, that, you, that others would see us. Not ones who are of ourselves, but ones who belong to Christ. Help us. We lay ourselves upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.